The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hello, Giants fans, and welcome to another edition of the Valentine's Views podcast here on Big Blue View Radio, part of the SB Nation family of podcasts. This week at SB Nation, if you're aware, our flagship site has been doing what they call a What If Theme Week. We've done a couple of posts at Big Blue View regarding what if, one on what if the Giants drafted Sam Darnold instead of uh, Saquon Barkley, which is sort of a topic that we go back to over and over and over again. Another is what if the Giants had simply drafted Ben Roethlisberger in 2004 instead of making the trade for Eli Manning. We'll have a little bit more at Big Blue View on the what if topics. One of the things I wanted to do in this show want to explore the idea of what would have happened to the Giants franchise had they not made that great run in 2011 and won the Super Bowl. To help me explore that topic, I'm going to turn to good friend Patricia Trainer. This happens to be something Patty and I have talked about a few times on uh you know offline and in other uh, in other conversations. So uh Patty, how are you today and are you ready to do this? I'm ready, Ed. Nice to uh, nice to have you here. On I'm looking out my window, and it's a beautiful, beautiful summer day. And and uh, you know we're we're what five six weeks away from training camp now, Patty. Oh, it's gonna fly quickly. But yeah, we're we're closing up the month of June, and once we roll into July and get past the Fourth of July, it's it'll be here in a snap. Yes, it will. I'm already looking at my calendar, going. Wow, I have a lot to do, a lot to get done, a lot going on, and all of a sudden it's going to be July twenty fourth, twenty fifth, and the Giants are going to be uh, are going to be off and running. Tell me about it. I'm trying to scramble to get profiles done. I'm working on my book chapters. Uh, I'm trying to take care of the daily stuff. So much, so much stuff to do, and I'd like to take a vacation somewhere in in the time, you know. Well, well, I, I I won't I won't tell you that I'm I'm actually squeezing in a little five day vacation in July. Then, oh. I, I won't I won't mention that. I won't mention. Oh, Ed, you're killing me, I, man. I, I just won't tell you that I'm 
that my wife and I are taking my granddaughter to Cape Cod for a week. I won't. Oh. I won't tell you that. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. I'll pretend I didn't hear that. Then. All right, then. So, Patty, what we wanted to talk about today is the 2011 Super Bowl. We know that that was a great run for the Giants, unexpected run. No one is ever going to give that back or want to give back a Super Bowl title. But the Giants haven't been successful in any way, shape, or form since winning that Super Bowl. And something that that you and I have talked about a little bit in the past is the idea that perhaps that second Super Bowl sort of fooled the organization a little bit into thinking maybe that they had more talent, maybe that the roster was in better shape than it was. And and just just thinking about that, had they not won that Super Bowl, can you see things over the last six, seven years unfolding a lot differently for this franchise? Um, I, if you're talking in terms of, I, I guess you're you're referencing Jerry Reese, uh, you know, because when you talk about things unfolding, you can you can obviously t- start with Jerry Reese, you could start with Tom Coughlin, you can start with Eli Manning, even. Um, I'm going to start with Jerry Reese. Um, I don't think it would have necessarily changed right there on the spot had the Giants not won that Super Bowl. I think, you know, what what we started to see is how the the Giants were, you know, the, the, the draft classes weren't panning out. The Giants had to rely heavily on free agency and... You know, they were lucky. They were able to get some key cogs in free agency that year that helped win the Super Bowl. And unfortunately, I think what happened is is that set a precedent because, you know, it, it was almost like a safety blanket for Jerry Reese that, you know, oh, well, if the draft classes don't work out, if I manage my money right, I, I, I can get mulligans. And that is not the way to build a franchise. I think we all know that uh, that eventually catches up to you. And it did catch up to the franchise. So um, I think had the Giants lost that Super Bowl, um, based on what I, I know from the Mara family, the Tisch family, I think they would have been patient. They would have said, okay, look, we got there. We can get there again. You know, I think they would have probably looked at, you know, what were the reasons why they lost it. But, you know, certainly, you know, when you do win a Super Bowl, like the Giants did with a team that maybe, you know, the talent level was on par with a lot of other teams that didn't get into the tournament, so to speak, it does create a sense of, you know, maybe we're a little bit better than what we actually are. And then it maybe creates that sense of, you know, resting on your laurels, so to speak. Yeah, I guess I'm looking at it like, like not only maybe they get to the game and lose the game, but I'm looking at it like that run doesn't happen and they don't get there at all. And I guess what I'm wondering when it comes to, when it comes to Jerry, you know, when it comes to, to some of that organizational change that the, the Giants eventually made, you know, going to Dave Gettleman, I guess what I'm wondering is without that second Super Bowl title, would ownership, and we don't know the answer. It's just speculation. It just you wonder if ownership would have shown the patience that they showed, you know, by staying with Jerry through 2015 when when they removed Tom Coughlin. 
I, I just I don't know that the leash would have been nearly as long. You know, it's interesting. Um, I think, and, and I know people are not going to want to hear this, but I wouldn't have been surprised if they had stayed with Jerry because, look, how many times have has John Maris stood before us and, and talked about how important continuity was? And, you know, I, I if you look at the number of years after that, that the Giants just seemed to slide downhill, most of us, I think, you know, if we were in that job and for anybody else um, didn't have a patient boss like, you know, Jerry had with with uh, John Mara, I think most of us probably would have been thrown out after a couple of years of a downward trend. But but, you know, John Mara is a very patient man. Um, he's in, he's there every day. You know, he's got his boots on the ground, so to speak. Um, you know, obviously, Steve Tisch has a say, you know, being half owner of the team, he has a say in, in the direction it goes. But, um, you, you know, you just, you just wonder if, if maybe, you know, when the Giants sat down and they, they looked at things at the end of the year, they, they pointed to, to factors that maybe weren't beyond certain people's controls as being the reason. Like, for example, you know, hey, you know, if you're Jerry Reese, you say, well, hey, look, I drafted, you know, David Wilson, um, is it my fault that he got hurt and his career ended? You know, and, and, and you know, if you're the Maras and the Tishes, you say, well, no, it's not your fault. That's just bad luck. You know, you, you could also look and say, you know, is it my fault that Hakeem Nix suffered that knee injury and was never the same after that? You know, so so there are other circumstances that, that you can point to, you know, if, and I'm talking looking at this from maybe, you know, Jerry Reese's perspective to say that, look, if this didn't happen, then I wouldn't have had to do this. So I think that's a big reason why Jerry was afforded such a long leash. That and and, and the fact that um, the Mara family and the Tisch family appreciate and strive for continuity at the top of the leadership. So I think those were the factors involved there. I mean, you can go all the way back to, you know, when we talk about what ifs and all of that, you can go all the way back to Chad Jones. You yeah. Know, back, back to that, you know, because that, that created a hole and, and there, there are a lot of what ifs and you just, you know, it's, I suppose that's the way sports is. You can always look at, you can go back to, well, what if this play didn't happen and what if that play didn't happen and, you know, in that Super Bowl game, you know, in the in the first Giants Super Bowl, you can go back to what if Eli Manning was called in the grasp before the helmet catch, you know, so so there are. But I, I sure. think I think this is one of the things that makes sports great is because you can you can sort of what if this and look at alternate scenarios and and, and see just how things would have would have been affected. Yeah, absolutely. Now, you know. I, I think, do I think that the Giants stayed with Jerry too long? You know, I think they gave him every opportunity to fix the mess that he created. Unfortunately, you know, the heat, I don't think the heat really turned on up under Jerry's backside until it was too late. Because, look, if you blow one draft class, all right, that you can probably recover from. You, you blow a second one in a row. Now it's a little bit tougher, but when you, for, and this is regardless of what the circumstances were, you know, whether it was because of a season, you know, a career ending injury or a guy just that just didn't pan out. But when you have successive draft classes, like three or more, 
that's an awfully big hole to climb out of. And at that point, you know, it, it, what happens is your core players start to age, their skills start to decline a little bit, and it just becomes an imbalanced roster, uh, an unbalanced roster rather, and it just creates a bigger hole for, you know, to fix because now you don't have the youth on board to supplement, you know, some of these older guys that are, you know, skills are dropping off. Case in point, you know, look at how many years it took for them to finally, you know, really address quarterback, get a, get a successor on board for Eli Manning. You know, Eli can still play, but, you know, who's, are we all going to, you know, we're, we're, who's going to disagree with the fact that his skills are slightly dropping off a little bit? You can see it. Um, you know, so they have, the, the point is, is you want to have a guy who's ready to step up and step in for when the bottom drops out on the guy in front of you and the Giants haven't had that and what they've had to do is they've had to go to free agency they've had to spend big bucks now they can't keep the guys that maybe they want to keep or maybe they can't be competitive and free agency you know you you ne- very rarely get what you pay for in free agency and it just puts you into a vicious cycle support for this show comes from Atlassian Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Loom help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, trust Atlassian software for everything from space exploration and green energy to delivering pizzas and podcasts. Whether you're a team of two, 200 or 2 million, or whether your team is around the corner or on another continent altogether, Atlassian Software is built to help keep you all on the same page from start to finish. That way, every one of your teams from engineering and IT to marketing, HR and legal can stay connected and move together as one towards shared company-wide goals. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Yes, it does. And, you know, the other area that we always talked about with with Jerry was offensive line. and, and, And I will never... You know, over I think beginning in 2013 when Jerry drafted Justin Pugh, I think he tried to fix that offensive line. It it just he just never really got it right. So you know, again, maybe you know that's another what if. What if a couple of those picks had panned out differently? You know, what if you choose a couple of different offensive linemen and things work out a little bit better? But you know, but but Jerry, you know. Jerry had his run and you know what let's 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 turn to another what if in that when we talk about that 2011 Super Bowl 
And you mentioned Eli, and, and we kind of have to talk about Eli's legacy when we talk about what-ifs. You know, his his Hall of Fame candidacy is basically based on those two Super Bowl victories because they're so special that, you know, every I think every quarterback that has two Super Bowl titles is in the Hall of Fame, and Eli has two over Tom Brady, which make those even more special. But you talk about sort of cause and effect – I wonder if you can actually build a case for Eli Manning as a Hall of Fame quarterback if he doesn't have that second Super Bowl title. That's a tough one. I mean, I I guess if you want to compare, you can look at Phil Simms. Because Phil Simms, the Giants won two Super Bowls in Phil Simms' era. But if you remember, the second one... Uh, in 1990, Phil Simms, I think, took them to 10-0 and or something like that, and then he suffered a season-ending injury, and Jeff Hostetler took them the rest of the way through Super Bowl uh, 25. So, you know, there are some who, who argue, well, you know, the, the Giants don't get to the Super Bowl unless Phil Simms gets them to the 10-0 and start, and then there are others who say, well, he didn't finish the job, and, you know, as we know, Phil is not, you know, he's not in the Super Bowl, he's not even, you know, on the ballot anymore, because, you know, after being on the ballot, he never made the first cut, so I think, yeah, I think definitely, you know, you can you can make that argument. But, you know, here's here's the other thing that I, I wonder um, with Eli and his, his potential Hall of Fame candidacy. You know, they're going to a lot of people tend to remember what have you done for me lately? And if the Giants don't bounce back this year, a lot of people are going to look back and say, well, you know what? The Giants were terrible under Eli's, you know, the last several years of his career. Now, whether or not those are it's Eli's fault, that's you know not relevant to the argument that these people are going to make. So that's why this is this year is very important, I think, for Eli's potential Hall of Fame case. I think if the Giants bounce back, they have a solid year. They do it without an Odell Beckham Jr. You know, they do they do it, you know, and and you know the. Dave Gettleman can say, well, look, see, I told you it was the offensive line. I told you it was the defense. I fixed all that. And see, I told you Eli could still play. Then I think maybe Eli can salvage, you know, or make a stronger case for the Hall of Fame. If the Giants end up with another poor record, then I I think it's going to be really, really difficult for him to get in, even though he has the two Super Bowl wins, because his critics are going to point to other factors. They're going to point to, you know, the defenses that the Giants had on those two Super Bowl teams. They're going to point to, you know, the running game, you know, uh, everything except giving Eli the credit that's due. And, you know, he was a part of it. You know, you've got to give him his props. But, you know, he his critics are, are you know, just as his critics now look at him and blame him for everything except, you know, war and famine, you know, famine. Um, that's what's going to happen. I, I, I guarantee you that's what's going to happen if his name comes up for consideration for the Hall of Fame. Patty, you know, I, I'm i one who football is a 53-man game. Well, actually, on game days right now, it's a 46-man game. But I'm one who who really hates this idea that you attach a regular season one-loss record to a quarterback's resume. You know, the, yes, the quarterback is the most important, you know, player on the field because he touches the ball in every play and he makes so many decisions, you know, and, and all of that. But so many factors out of a quarterback's control go into 
whether a game is won or lost that I I just I hate the idea of attaching a a one loss record you know to a particular quarterback but with that said I think it is absolutely much more difficult to make a Hall of Fame case for Eli Manning now in 2019 than it might have been after the 2011 season, maybe even, you know, 2013, 2014, you know, when you can, you know, when you can, I guess, you know, quote unquote, forgive a couple of, of poor seasons for a team. But I, I absolutely agree with the idea that, that this run of, of consistently bad football for, for more than, you know, for more than five years now, for six out of the last seven years, it absolutely hurts his uh, his Hall of Fame case. There, to me, there's no doubt about that. You know, Ed, one thing I feel very strongly about, and I know this is probably not going to score me many brownie points with colleagues and whatnot, but this, the Hall of Fame selection committee consists of senior sports writers and they're they're excellent writers. They do a fantastic job. And hey, hey look, they're they have you know they're, they're legends. I mean, in their own way. With that said, you know, I I I question some of the logic. You know, when 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 you look at the decisions and the and the information that comes out of the selection meeting, uh, to me, if if it were if it were up to me, I would say, look, if you want to have sports writers on your panel for your Hall of Fame, great but also include people who have played the game and who can better, you know, really get into the X's and O's and, and, and determine, you know, who who made the contributions and who didn't. Because there are things that I don't know how well certain people really understand. You know, like with quarterbacks, you know, people look at interceptions, for example, and they say, oh, my God, you know, this quarterback had, you know, 50 interceptions. And what the, what nobody takes into consideration is, is, were the interceptions all on the quarterback or were they tipped passes? Were they receivers that ran incorrect routes? That's where I think having someone who maybe played the game or really understands the X's and O's can help with maybe in an advisory, advisory role to the Hall of Fame committee. It's just, it's just, you know, I think back to when Harry Carson was constantly snubbed for the Hall of Fame. When George Young is constantly snubbed for the Hall of Fame, and I just never understood that. And my belief back then, as it is now, is you had people who were looking at the surface and maybe not going beyond that to really, you know, understand and appreciate the the contributions that these, you know, that these two men made to the game. Patty, we are going to have to do a whole separate show sometime on Hall of Fame and guys who should be in and shouldn't be in and this and that because not only the you know the, the Pro Football Hall of Fame, uh, you know, as a baseball fan, I look at baseball and I have my issues with how they do that there as well. I mean, my my thing is sometimes I look at it and I, I wonder sometimes. How a guy gets a Hall of Fame vote in 2018 or when he's been on the ballot for eight years and he wasn't a Hall of Famer the eight previous years, so why is he a Hall of Famer now? I, you know, I, yeah. I, That one I don't understand. He either is or he isn't. You either thought he was. You know, If you thought he was not a Hall of Famer five years ago, 
Why do you think he is now? I, I don't, I really don't get that. But, you know, but that's a whole, we could probably do an hour-long show on that particular topic. There is one more thing about the 2011 What If that I wanted to mention, and it's another Eli piece. And we've talked about, you know, we've talked about the presence of Daniel Jones on the roster. We talked about Jerry Reese getting a longer leash. The other What If that I always wonder about with, had the Giants not won that second Super Bowl, considering the way things have gone the last few years, you wonder if Eli Manning would still be a Giant. At least I do. I wonder if they would have if they would have given him such a long leash and had such allegiance to him over the last few years as they struggled, or if the organization would have, you know, would have found that heir apparent two, three, four years ago. You know, that's interesting, Ed. I. I think they would have stuck with Eli. You know, Eli is a very unique athlete. And let's forget about the fact that, you know, he's a Manning, you know, which is obviously one of the first families of football. I think if you look at what Eli brought to the table, you know, how he handled himself, his durability, these are all things that I know resonate with you know, the, with management, because think about it. If you own a business and you have an employee who comes in every day, does his job, doesn't make waves, doesn't bring embarrassment to you, you know, yeah, he's going to have his, his off days, you know, maybe he'll have a couple weeks or a stretch of time where he might not be, you know, performing the way you want him to. But for the most part, you know, you can count on him. And, you know, you when you look at the, the down periods that, that he delivers, you, you see, you know, the whole picture, what's contributing to it. You tend to stick with that guy, you know, and, and a good example is, you know, Look at look at what the Giants did with Phil Sims. I mean, Phil Sims lasted what fifteen seasons, fourteen seasons, something like that. They stuck with him because you know he he was he was a good performer. I mean, he had his injury issues. Yes, we all know that, but they stuck with him for a number of years before finally deciding to to move on to you know to his successor, which you know at the time was Dave Brown. But quarterbacks you know unlike running backs unlike you know just about any other position on the team quarterbacks is not something you want to change every every year or every you know two or three years you pretty much have to let them develop you have to let them grow into the role and just see where they go that's why you see so many quarterbacks in the league today you know on the successful teams the teams that that venture into the playoffs they've been with the franchise for a number of years very rarely do you see a a team that has a quarterback you know that that changes quarterbacks every year and you want a good example of that look at cleveland how they how they had what like over two dozen quarterbacks in the in the last what 10 15 years or something like that you don't win that way so i think that if the giants had lost 2011 that super bowl I don't necessarily think that would have meant the the end of Eli Manning. I think it would have, you know, they would have looked at it and they would have said, okay, why did we lose it? You know, but you you can't blame it on one guy. You have to look at the entire picture. You know, maybe, um, you know, a a good example, you know, and I know this is, you know, kind of getting a little off topic, but if you go back to the Super Bowl that they lost against um, the Ravens, and and you say, okay, well, why did they lose that against the Ravens? The Ravens had a damn good defense. I mean, the Ravens basically didn't let the Giants do any of the things that they, they were good at doing. 
And the Giants had no answers for that. So at that point, do you say, okay, well, you know what? Kerry Collins lost that game, so we're going to fire him. Or do you blame that on the coaches for not having a backup plan in the game plan to counter what the Ravens were going to do, especially if you allegedly knew what the Ravens were going to do to you on defense? So there's just so many factors involved there. And, and, and to say that, you know, Eli Manning, you know, they should have moved on from him or maybe they would have moved on from him. I, I don't know that that's true. No, it's just, you know, in the spirit of, of, of the whole what if thing, I just wonder if, you know, if over time, you know, if the Giants had struggled in 2013, 14, 15, you know, the way that they had, you just wonder if, if the, if Manning's time with the Giants would have, you know, would have run out a little sooner than it, than it actually will. And just another thing you know, along these lines, you know, we don't, we don't really know the answer to any of these questions. It's just a lot of fun to talk about. Oh, sure. So, Patty, I think uh, I think I think we've pretty well covered this one today. Uh, why don't you tell folks a little bit about what you've got going on? Make sure folks know where to find you on Twitter in in, uh, in case for for some very strange, unforgivable reason they all they don't already. So uh, <laughs> so you know so go ahead. Sure, you can find me on Twitter at Patricia underscore Traina T R A I N A. You can also find me on the Locked on Giants podcast. We're doing previews of the Giants 2019 opponents. Next week, we've got NFC East week. Uh, so we're doing the three NFC East opponents. You can also find my work on Forbes, um, where I'm doing analytical work. And I also have some player, player profile work that is coming up that I'm really excited about. And then finally, you can check me out on the Football Maven um, the Giants football maven. That's footballmaven.io slash nygiants. We're doing, with video, we're doing like a little player-by-player player preview. Uh, so we have a little video story. We have um, some, some, some thoughts about, you know, each player on the 90-man roster. And we also have some features and some other stuff that we're going to be rolling out ahead of training camp. So a lot going on. All right, Patty, thank you very much. And Giants fans, thank you as always for listening. Please remember to subscribe to Big Blue View Radio on all of your favorite podcast applications, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.